pray together. God, we thank you for your presence here. We thank you for the things we know about you. Thank you for your faithfulness. And Lord, I know that when we come into this place that we bring a lot of pain and hurt, we bring our issues, we bring our struggles. And for some of us, it's just really hard to even sing those words. It is well in my condition. It requires a, a level of trust. It requires faith. And just want to encourage everyone here that, that you offer us that faith. You give it to us. That you strengthen us so that we can trust you. We can look back and we can see what you've done. We can look to your word and read the stories of your work in the lives of ordinary people like us. And from that, we can gain courage and strength. Because as we look at our world, we, we see that it feels like it's out of control in many ways. That See what happened in New York City this week, and we are so devastated in our hearts for just the wanton taking of life. And God, I pray for every one of us today as we, as we get to be here that we'd be open to what you want to say, that we have eyes that could see by faith, that we have ears that would be able to hear your word, that would penetrate our hearts and our minds. And Lord, as we, as we delve into this whole idea of how to treat one another, that really the, the thing that each one of us would be willing to say is let it begin with me. Let it begin with me. Help me to know how to love everyone always. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, you're going to have a seat, and then we'll watch this. At least 58 people now dead. More than 500 people wounded in a horrific shooting on the Las Vegas Strip. Today, protesters against white supremacists took to the streets of Durham, North Carolina. We begin with breaking news from Charlottesville, Virginia. Where a Wednesday night Bible study erupts in gunshots. Protesters I know that's shocking. In fact, I had several of you write me last week and talk about <clears throat> how just watching that was hard, uh, you know, because I think sometimes we want to come to church and we think, well, the church is the place I escape all of that that I'm feeling are going on in our culture and our world. And yet at the same time, it helps us to really clue in to what we want to talk about, how we can be part of a solution. We look at the world, it's full of chaos, it's full of hurt, it's full of pain, <clears throat> it's full of divisiveness. And <clears throat> when we look at that, I just want you to know, that's reality. And, and the reality we look at is, is not a TV reality show. This is the real deal. This is the reality that we live in. We're in a powder keg of a time where emotions are frayed and frazzled, where patience is thin, where capacity is low, where tension is high, where fear is contagious. And hope is fragile. That's the time we live in. We all feel it. And so the question is, how are we going to respond when life, 
when it seems like people are pitted against people, uh, and so people are more divided than ever, it feels like. How are we going to live in such a way that we are responsible personally, each one of us, for bringing people together, for bringing people together in unity and in love? Why are we so bent as a culture right now on magnifying our differences instead of building upon our commonalities? Why is there so much hate when we all long for love? But the bigger question that we want to deal with is the one that I've mentioned as we, go, as we start today. How can I be the one who make a difference? How can I be the one? I mean, I know we feel like we're just one individual in this just onslaught of energy that seems so negative. How can I be the one who helps stop the flow to stand against what it seems like culture has been on right now? Well, I believe the answer to that's answered in this question on, as we answer in this title of our series, Love Everyone Always. I believe that's where we find the answer. So I shared with you last week that last August, I was angry. I was frustrated. I saw the Charlottesville uh, news clips, and I saw where there was racism and prejudice and you know white supremacy and all the things that happened in that event. And it just inside of me, I just thought, Something has to change. And, and it was a kind of an indignation that cropped up. And I said, okay, here's how I can make a difference. I just felt led that this fall we would talk about how each one of us can make a difference in the culture that we live in. I felt a strong leading by the Holy Spirit to change and talk about the issues we face and how God would want us to act in the face of the things that we live in in culture. Those of us who are followers of Jesus Christ, how that we could treat others with love from a biblical perspective, not just that soft love that culture wants, but the true love, the hard love of the Bible. The call of Jesus on our lives is to love everyone always. So I'm going to invite you, if you would, to grab your Bible, open to James chapter 3. It's toward the end of the New Testament, James chapter 3. That's where we'll be today. Also, you can go ahead and grab your message notes out of your program. You're going to be able to use those to take notes today, and I encourage you. And uh, it's unlike last week. Last week, I gave you like 16 points about love, and there were no blanks, and you're like, how do I do this? I'm taking care of you this week, okay? So they're all there. All the blanks will be there that'll help you out as we go through this. Also, if you don't own a Bible, we'd love to give you one so you can stop at the bookshelf out here with Bibles on it. It's our uh, gift that you can take today. So this series is founded on the golden rule. It's a phrase spoken by Jesus Christ at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, it's recorded in Matthew 7, 12. And we looked at last week, this one verse gives us clear direction on how to treat one another in our time of divisiveness and anger and hatred and violence and mistrust. It just helps us to frame it on how we can treat one another. Here's what it says. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophet. So Jesus is saying, I'm going to boil it all down for you. Is that the law, the first five books of the Old Testament, the prophets, the rest of the Old Testament, everything that is included in there about what it means to be right with God and others. Now, you take my teaching, the Sermon on the Mount. You can read that if you want. Because in chapter 5, 1, goes through the end of chapter 7. All of my teaching here, the revelation I'm giving you right now, you combine all that together, and it could be all spoken out in this one verse. Matthew 7, 12. Do... Whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. I love how the message paraphrase 
has that verse because it really helps us to wrap our brain around some of these words. It says, here is a simple rule of thumb guide for behavior. Ask yourself, what do you want people to do for you? Then grab the initiative. You might underline that. Grab the initiative and do it for them. Do it for them. Add up God's law and prophets, and this is what you get. This is what you get. So last week we talked about the golden rule, the kind of spelled it out, what it you know, would say. And so I put those same blanks there for you this week as you look at it. And it's do to others what you would wish done to yourself. Do to others what you would wish done to yourself. That's the solution, honestly, to the helpless feelings that we have about, well, how can little old me, how can I make a difference right here in little old Nevada County in a world that seems so crazy, the issue seems so huge? And the answer is, do to others what you would wish others would do to you. It's a call to us as a people. We must decide. We must choose. We must choose. I used some quotes last week from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I have another one right here that I think fits so well. It's really appropriate. He says this. He says, we must learn to live together as brothers or perish together as fools. And I'd say that's exactly where we are. We must learn to live together as brothers or we will perish as fools. Today, we, what we're going to do, we're going to talk about the wisdom it takes to love everyone always, but especially this whole idea of respect as we're going to look at. In fact, this is what it says in 1 Peter 2.17. Peter's writing and he says this, show proper respect to everyone. So I'll just ask a question, who, who's everyone? Yeah, who's that leave out? No one. So, okay, this is, I'm just going to tell you, right, right now you're going to see that this message is going to get really difficult. I had some heated discussions in the lobby between services about what does everyone actually mean. Oh, like, well, it means everyone, even if you don't like it. Uh, that's what it means. And so we're going to wrestle with this. And I just ask you just to let God speak to you today as we go through this. So let's just define respect so we can know what it is and why it's so critical to being able to love everyone always. So what is respect? Well, one definition of respect is to treat others with deference and reverence. Deference and reverence. Deference means I'm going to defer to you. And reverence means because of who you are. I'm going to defer to you because, and I'll say it this way better, because of who God says you are. And we're going to define that, look at that as we go through this. I defer to you, and I put aside my rights. So, you know, you're going into, you know, going into a store, and you're, you get there first, and you've got the door, and somebody's right behind you. You defer, you open the door and defer and let someone else go in because you value them. The, the, the whole idea of respect. Respect is holding another person in high regard, no matter who they are, holding them to high regard, and then treating them accordingly. Respect is to esteem someone highly and defer to them and treat them with reverence. Uh, this is an area I believe we've lost so much ground in our culture, is this whole idea of respect, civility, how we can treat one another. I've enjoyed reading a book that's really helped me in processing. I started it last August, actually, and uh, looking into this when I was thinking about this series. Uh, Richard Mao is the author, M-O-U-W, if you wanted to read some of his writings. And uh, he's got a book that is called Uncommon Decency. And oh, I, we have it in our bookstore as a pastor's pick, as well as some other books I think might help in this series if you wanted to wrestle through some of this stuff. He wrote this book in, in the 1990s and then revised it in 2010. 
And I'm going to give you a quote. It won't be on the screens. You're going to get to listen closely. And he says this, respect means having an active regard for someone's well-being. Not that we are simply to give people what they ask for or tell them only what they want to hear. And then he goes on and says, this is what civility is all about. Respecting and honoring other people, even people whose beliefs and actions we dislike in a manner that is gentle and reverent. So he's giving us an idea here of what it means to be respectful and civil in our world. If I'm going to treat people with respect, I need to move forward with these same words that we looked at last week from Philippians chapter 2, where Paul says this, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So we talked about this last week. What was Jesus' attitude? I'm here for you. I came for you. I came to put aside my rights, and I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to suffer, and I'm going to do that because that's in your best interest. And what Paul is saying is that we should treat others in the same way. We should make their best interest our cause in helping them in life. So right up front, I'll just tell you this about respect. Respect is not a duty. It's not an obligation. It's not a transaction. You might want to fill this in. Respect is a gift that you give freely. So if you feel anybody twisting your arm today to say, you have to do this, it's a, it's a gift that you choose to give freely to someone else. I give others respect freely because it shows my choice, my attitude toward humanity. Now, before we jump in, I just want you to stop and just think about this a moment, about the people in your world. Maybe even people you see, people you may even not know, might not even know that you struggle with. I just want you to say, is there anyone in your life who would come to mind right now that you're struggling to respect, even as I've already gone so far? Someone at work, it could be a friend, it could be an acquaintance, it could be someone at this church. It could be a family member. It could be someone that you follow on social media and you continually see their posts and you have a really hard time. It could be a politician. It could be any person that you've said, I really struggle with respecting this person or group. I'm trying to keep that in mind now as we go through our talk today. And I want you to let, allow God to speak to you about how you might move forward in your ability to respect that person or that group. What I hope today is to help each of us realize that we can respect others no matter the environment, no matter the circumstance, or no matter the situation we find ourselves in. We can respect others. So let's talk about that. How do we do that? First, I respect everyone always when I treat everyone as created with equal value. Now, it's the same way we started last week. I've just worded it differently because it's the most important thing that we can think about. I treat others as if we're all created with equal value value because God says we are. Genesis chapter 1, talking about God's creation, it says God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. So that's what God says. Well, okay, so what do we, how do we value people? He, he values people according to the way he made them, that he made them in his image. Well, society places value on human beings according to, I'll just list some of the things, and you're going to be so familiar with all of these, appearance, so if someone looks a certain way, then they have a higher value. If they don't look that way, then they don't on their ability to contribute. So if they can help in some way or they can help me, especially in some way, then I place them more highly in value. 
their financial status, their IQ, their religious standing, their scientific beliefs, their background, their belief system, their moral qualities, whatever you know, your grid is, your filter, is that society has all kinds of ways that we can value people. And what we do in doing that is we put distinctions on people. We put them into separate categories, and then we can actually label them. And we say, I don't value them because they're in that category. I don't value them because they're in that category. I don't value that. Oh, I value this, and I value this. But what God says, he says, I meet every one of those people in my image, and I value all of them. All of them. Everyone is created equal in value. Use this quote last week from John Calvin. He says this, the Lord commands us to do good unto all men, and that means everyone, he just used men here, without exception, though the majority are very undeserving when judged according to their own merits. I'm going to chew on that. The scripture teaches us that we must not We must not think of man's real value, but only of his creation, the image of God, to which we owe all possible honor and love. So not about what I can contribute, not about how you've judged me, but you base your your view of me on what God says, that I'm created in his image. And you've never looked in the eyes. You've never locked eyes with someone. You've never seen someone as you've seen them, a man, woman, or child that does not matter to God. Uh, this has really helped me this week, just even you know, being able to speak last week. I think it resonated deep in my soul, and it just helped me this week, is that everywhere I go, you know, every, I'm thinking about this. I get frustrated. I get angry. I get impatient because uh, I'm not getting my way, and stop and think, there's a person in front of me that was made in the image of God right now, and so I get to choose to value that person or not. So every single person you meet every single day was a person that Jesus went to the cross to die for because God values everyone. Look at what it says in Psalm 8:5. You meaning God made them meaning humankind a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. So it's basically the Bible from cover to cover says that every person you meet is a valuable creation of God's work. No no one is more important than anyone else. No one is better than anyone else. Now, I'll say this, because this is where it gets really hard as we get into thinking about categories of people that we we would have a really difficult time loving or respecting in some way. I'll just say this. Some people make wrong decisions, okay? Some people do evil. Some people hurt others, but they are still valuable to God. I, I I can't force you to believe that. I just want you to tell you that's what the Bible says. Is that some people make really bad choices, some people are really evil and hurt others, and I'm just going to tell you that every person God created is valuable to him. That's the Bible. And so we have to believe it, and we have to trust God that he has our best interest in mind, even in that thought. I'd say if we could get this one right, if we could treat everyone that we come in contact with with honor and respect, I'm just going to say that would change our world. That would change our world. So how do I treat everybody as if they're created with value? Well, turn your notes over, and I'm going to talk about this and walk through this. And it begins with this. If I'm going to respect everyone you know, always, I have to see everyone as God does and as he's created them as valuable, and I need to seek wisdom and understanding. I can't do this without wisdom and understanding. So last week, several of you commented to me, and I ended the service by talking about this as well, is that when we talk about love... As we talk about respect today, I'm just telling you that I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. 
I don't have enough willpower. Uh, and, you know, you look at this and the, the culture wants soft love. I'm going to say if soft love could solve the problem, then it would be solved. We have more self-help books than ever in our world, ever, ever. And we have more people teaching about ways that we can be positive and we can influence our culture through positive stuff. And I say, let's be positive because, you know, the opposite is being negative, right? <laughs> let's be positive. I'm telling you, that's not going to change the world. The only thing that's going to change the world is when you and I submit ourselves to what God says. And now we gain from him the wisdom and the empowerment or the strength to carry out what he says. That's what we're asking right now. We're asking for wisdom and understanding. Matthew 7, 7 through 8, Jesus, right before he gives the golden rule, says this, talking about what we are asking for, and I'm saying right now it's wisdom and understanding. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And we can only do this through supernatural empowerment because it's going to require a transformation transformation in us and in our ability to love others as we hopefully will influence transformation in them by what we do so i'm just telling you this is going to be hard because we're he's called us to show respect to those who are in our opinion despicable that we don't want to respect so we have to ask him well god how do i do this Give me wisdom and give me understanding so that I can do it. So with the time I've got today, what I'm going to do is going to walk through two verses in James chapter 3. James chapter 3 is the book of wisdom, and it's talking about specifically in these two verses about relationships and how do I relate, and I'm going to apply them then to this idea of respect. So once again, I'm using the message paraphrase because it is so clear and helping us to understand the, the nuances of the words that James uses when he writes this. He says this. Real wisdom, because there are all kinds of wisdom, right? Real wisdom, and he says God's wisdom, begins with a holy life. And it's characterized by getting along with others. It is gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. Not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and joys results only, and that word's italicized on purpose, only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. So what's the solution to respect? Treating each other with dignity and honor. And he says only if you're willing to do the hard work to make that happen. So I'm going to give you four ideas as we walk through this. It just comes right from the text that we just read. First of all, James says that wisdom to respect others begins with <clears throat> being right with God and others. Being right with God and others. So he said that real life, real wisdom begins with a holy life. That means I'm right with God. So holiness means that I'm walking in right relationship with God. I'm following him to the best of my ability, to the best of my understanding. I'm walking with him as he's guided, he's commanded, as he's led me to live in a holy life. So real wisdom is not about being right, okay? Got that? It's not about being right. It's about orienting my life about around what God says is right. 
So some of you think wisdom just means I'm right and I can prove you know, to you you're, that you're wrong, but that's not wisdom. Wisdom is my ability to live rightly according to the way that God designs me to live. But it's also not just to be in right relationship with God, it's to be in right relationship with others. So I'm now, I'm set apart on a mission from God to be with others, to represent him, to be a change agent in my world. And now that I'm doing that, I can move into relationships with other people and they will be right because I've learned to respect them. So respectful people naturally value people. I get this. Naturally value people from different viewpoints different values, different races, different political views in any way that you've put somebody as different. Respectful people learn to naturally value them because they're right with God and they're right with people. That's really key as we go through this to understand is that I have to value people as God does. Wisdom respects people that you can't stand. Just honest. Even people with different worldviews or actions. But folks, when we can respect people who are different than we are, when we can remember that each person we come in contact with was formed in the image of God, and we can remember that God doesn't make defective or bad stuff, people make defective and bad decisions, but God doesn't make bad stuff, then we can learn to respect them, okay? Second idea is this. And it's not going to get easier, okay? Just so you know, it's going to get, it's going to keep the pedal to the metal all the way through. Next is respect is being gentle and reasonable. Gentle and reasonable. Now, some of you right now, you're going, I got this one. You know, think you're pretty gentle and you think you're the most reasonable person on earth, right? Because it's all based on the way you think. And so if everybody think like you, then everybody else would be reasonable. And now the way you have it, you have it worked out in your head. So let's just talk about it. That word gentle means basically that I'm not combative. Anyone say that about you? That you're not combative? Not quarrelsome, not easily annoyed. That's what gentle means. It describes a person who is actually in control or of his or her reactions and emotions. So respectful people are considerate of others. That's why it begins with that word, you know, respect began with deference. So I defer because I'm considerate. I think about what other people feel, what they think, or how they're reacting, and I have empathy for them, and I've learned in, in, in having empathy for them how to be considerate for them and where they are in this place. They are gentle, and they are able to lower their volume and the intensity of their words so that now another person can actually feel respected and hear what they're saying. That's a gentle person. Respectful people are gentle in spirit. They don't feel the need to debate. In other words, they don't feel the need to be right in, on every issue uh, or every nuance. But instead, you know what? They're just comfortable with dialogue. I don't have to be right. I, we can just dialogue. And you know what? In my mind, I may be thinking that you are so wrong, but I'm willing to enter into dialogue because you know what? I can learn. You can learn from everybody. Everybody has something to teach you. 
You can learn perspective. You can learn heart. You can maybe God wants to show you something from someone that you've judged, and you would think that they're all wrong, and he would want in the meantime for you to see an area where, yeah, you're wrong, that he wants to work on in your heart. So I would just say gentle people don't expand the divide that is already there by demonizing another person. It just doesn't work to demonize someone. So we have to not, we have to fight against that, uh, that tendency. We have to demonize someone because it actually makes us better and, and create some safety in our mind if we can make someone else worse than they actually are. When you're reasonable, you listen carefully to what others say because you really want to know the truth. A, a person who's reasonable is someone who holds deep convictions. I'm not saying that you give up your convictions. Holds deep convictions, but gives someone else the freedom to also hold deep convictions, even if they don't connect and they're not the same, even if they're opposed to each other. Respectful people listen to other people. We're going to talk about that again next week. Next thing is this. Respectful, it, respect is overflowing now. Overflowing. This is what runs out of me. Mercy and blessing. Mercy and blessing. So in the days that I journal, I begin my journaling uh, always the same way. Before I go to my Bible, I get my journal out, my Bible, and I have my Bible reading plan. I'm, I'm there. I'm ready to go. But I, I start with my journal. And so I, pr- I write this same thing every day, every day I journal. And so it begins this way. I'll just share it what it is. It begins this way. I, I first say, come, Jesus, come. And it's just an invitation. I learned this a long time ago from a lady named Leanne Payne. And uh, as she would just invite Jesus to be present. He's already there, but she's saying, I, I want to hear from you. So I start that way, come, Jesus, come. And then the next phrase I write is, Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Because what that does is that gives me perspective. First of all, I'm saying he's Lord. And so now if I'm my journaling and Bible reading time, I'm saying you speak to me. And because you're Lord, I'm going to do what you say. So Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, that God's in charge and control of all things. Have mercy on me, a sinner. So what I, first of all, I just acknowledge who I am. And humility, I say, you know, it helps me to get off my pride horse. And then I come to him and I'm able to experience his mercy. Now, sometimes I change it to say, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, and all merciful God, have mercy on me, a sinner, because I want, I know I need mercy even more and more as I do that. And so that prayer reminds me of my standing before God. It, and then what happens is, as I'm praying that prayer, it helps me now when I come in contact with others to remind myself of who I am, who God is and who I am, so I can be willing to respond to others with the same mercy that God has responded to me with. To, to respond to the same, with the same mercy he's responded to me with. Now, one way to think of, I, I'm going to twist the golden rule just a moment, and you know, I just don't think Jesus would mind, but I'm going to twist it just a little bit to say this, because I think it really speaks to this. It says that, I'll just twist it to say this, do to others as God has done to me. Do to others as God has done to me. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't be here without his mercy and his grace not be in this place, 
probably wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for his mercy and his grace. So I'm going to treat others the way that God has treated me. Not only am I going to treat them as value because he's made them, just like he made me, but I'm going to treat them as he has treated me. So what, 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 this, what this does for us and how it helps us with respect is it allows us the freedom to let other people be in process. The same way that God has allowed us to be in process as we got to this place. It allows us to give other people the, the gift of mercy and grace without expecting them to get it all today. Because by you know, God, the way God loves us, he doesn't, he doesn't expect us to get it all today. We can't. It's over time. It's in process. I love the phrase that Billy Graham's wife, Ruth, had, it was inscribed on her tombstone. Got a picture of it here. Somewhere. There it is. So that Ruth Bell Graham. Now, the bottom is the inscription. Maybe from where you're at, you can't read it, so I'll read it for us. It says this in quotes, end of construction, thank you for your patience. <laughs> Isn't that great? End of construction. Now, I'm complete. I'm with God. I'm complete. Thank you for your patience. Now, you know, all of us, have, you know, that could be our prayer for, you know, saying to every one of us, to each other, thank you so much for your patience because I'm in process. Now, can you imagine how things would change if we respected everyone we came in contact with because just like us, everyone is in process. She's in process, he's in process, they're in process, they're in process. We're all in process. And so they may not have gotten it yet, but I'm going to believe that if God's in this, that they will get it with him, that they are in process. See, sometimes the best way to handle our frustration when others don't seem to get it or think like we do is just to ask God, God, right now, give me a gentle spirit and help me to remember that they're in process. See, people who treat others with respect realize this, that since we're on mission with God, that when I'm treating someone with respect, that God may just use me in this conversation as I'm allowing someone else the freedom to be where they are in process at that moment, that God may just use that as an opportunity to believe that if I could treat them that way, then God could treat them that way, and I might move them toward God so that God could transform and redeem and restore and reconcile them to him, that he might use me in that way. Okay, last idea is this. Respect is overflowing with dignity and honor. I'm going to overflow with dignity and honor toward others. I just want to tell a story about this one that I heard. Uh, it's a story about Condoleezza Rice uh, when she was Secretary of State of our country. She was in a debate on a stage with two men and her. And these two men disagreed with her on basically everything she stood for, on a on specifically on a stance she has taken. The debate began civilly, as you can imagine, but it soon devolved to the point where they were devaluing her personally and they were demonizing her. The decibel levels were going higher and higher while the behavior was going lower and lower. That's the way this thing was coming out. Condoleezza Rice kept her composure the entire time as she was being lambasted again and again by these two men. Now, when she wanted to make a point, when there was actually a pause, when someone would take a breath and she could actually speak, this is the way she did it. She said this, gentlemen, with all due respect, and then she would say what she wanted to say. She would say, gentlemen, 
with all due respect. And that's the way she handled herself in this situation and on that stage. Later, she was asked, can you help me understand this phrase, gentlemen, with all due respect? What do, you, what do you mean by that? What's going on there? And she says this. She says two things. One, it reminds me to treat people with respect, but really, it was a way for me to say a prayer. And so every time I use the phrase, with all due respect, it gave me time to say a, a prayer, to say, God, help me to speak with respect. Help me to do that. And I just want to ask, what if we, what if we owned that ourselves with all due respect? before we responded to someone else. And that meant that we were going to ask God to, at that moment to help me overflow with dignity and honor in some way. See, since the Bible says that everyone deserves respect, it might help us to show respect at that moment if we were to use that phrase as a prayer and we use it as we talk to people as well. Now, you could do it out loud. You don't have to say it out loud. You could, but you could also just do it in your mind and it just gives you a chance to actually Rein yourself back from the response that you're wanting to give at that moment and actually show someone dignity and honor. We show, we show people dignity and honor when we determine to believe the best about someone else, no matter what we witness or see. Close with this verse in Romans 12, 10. It says, outdo one another in showing honor. Now, as I was thinking about that verse, I was thinking about when I first started being a pastor and actually gone through some therapy, uh, some counseling. Uh, even when I was in seminary, I had gone through this counseling. And, and I remember that uh, the counselor's name was Betty Helen Belts, and she changed her name to Betty Helen Lovejoy while we were with her, and she loved joy, and she was a great counselor. She helped Kim and me a lot, me more than Kim, I think. And, uh, but she was a great counselor. So she had, a, she had this concept that she taught us, and the concept was that what we want to be about is creating cooperative environments. That the best environment is a cooperative one where people are cooperating together. And, and then, since then, I've seen that that's just a principle that many people teach and adhere to, and especially uh, in counseling or also in you know, teaching folks how to you know, build a better world, is that we want to build a cooperative environment, not a competitive environment. Because in cooperating, we're coming together. In competitive, we're all fighting for what we get or what we need in some way. But she would say, and the culture would say, that that's the best way to get and receive respect is to have a cooperative environment. Now, here is where the Bible says, okay, here's another idea. I want to give you a competitive command, and the competitive command is that you outdo each other. So you outdo each other in showing honor to others. So you're going to outdo people in being gentle and reasonable. You're going to outdo others at letting mercy and blessing overflow. You're going to outdo others with showing dignity and honor. And if we were to do that, no matter how we disagree with other people, no matter how we want to wring their necks, if we were to say, I'm going to outdo you at showing honor, I believe that as we got to the end of those verses from James, he says it would build a robust and healthy community. Not just a church community, not just a family, but a community that would allow us to eventually affect a state, maybe even a country, because we chose to be people who outdid one another at giving honor. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and says, I'm going to outdo you. Okay, go do it right now. Okay, go. (laughs) 
Okay, you don't have to fight yet, okay? No fights. I'm going to outdo you. What do you think? Do you want to do this? Would you like to make a change? Would you like for our country to be different, our community? Would you like for your family, your workplace to be different? Respect everyone always. I'm going to end with the prayer of St. Francis of Assisi, as we did last week. So if you just kind of put your stuff down, relax, put your hands on your lap, if you would, your palms up. I'm going to have the words on the screens if you want to have eyes open, and you can follow along. If you want to have eyes closed, you can listen as we pray this prayer. I'll just pray it for us. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. And Jesus, I thank you so much for the power of that prayer penned hundreds of years ago. And I pray today that you would help us, that you would give us your wisdom. God, we need wisdom. I mean, we've heard these words today, but boy, when we get in the fray, it's so difficult. And it's going to be a process, God. So today, we just want to tell you we want to enter into the process of being more respectful to others. We'd be gentle. We'd be more reasonable. Thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to hear from you. And Jesus, I pray that you would encourage us. That even right now, when we're, we're maybe mad inside, thinking of it, there's a person or a group uh, or an individual in some way that we don't think there's any way we can respect, I pray that you would help us to see that person as made in the image of God. And I thank you, Jesus, that you went to a cross for us, that you had our best interest in mind and you died for us there. And Lord, if there's, no, there's someone here that's never said yes to you, that today would be the day that they would say yes to Jesus. Jesus, I want to receive what you did for me. I want to receive life. I just confess to you, I am a sinner, just like Pastor Ron. I'm a sinner. And I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me and make me right with you. Then, God, I pray that you would make my relationships right. And, God, I pray that you would give us strength so we can be your ambassadors on mission for you to bring love and respect to our world and our community. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.